and now we are about to receive of the bread of life. So bread of heaven, we are asking to be fed. We are asking to be inspired. We are asking to be challenged. We are asking to be corrected. We are asking for our intelligence to rise. We are asking for knowledge and understanding to be imparted to us that we would not be able to be swindled by the, by the many sways and winds of doctrines and doctrines of demons and, and our, and our uh, mental capacities uh, trying to fool us in, in different ways and in different forms. We are about to have the ever-infallible, never-changing word of the living God that all things that we see right now stands upon. We are about to discuss and conversate about that. And Holy Spirit, we make room and make space for you to come in and do what you do best. You are the master coach. You are the master teacher. You are the master communicator. No one does it better than you. And anyone who holds a microphone on this day only holds it and has anything to say because you said something first. So Holy Spirit, we make space for you to come and do what it is that you do and may everyone walk away from this moment, from this time, stronger than when it first began, including this brother holding the microphone. I too need to be strengthened like everyone else on this broadcast and we make space for you to do what it is that you do. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we recognize that our miracle deliverance cannot be won by a man. We we trust in the name of the Lord our God who makes us strong and has today given us the victory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, God, for teaching us. Somebody shout with me. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you can tell, but I got a little bit of juice in me about this one. Let's do some work. Let's do some work. John chapter 2. John chapter 2 and John chapter 3. John chapter 2, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 24 through 25. So go ahead and grab those, 24 through 25. There is a, a particular statement uh, out of the Passion Translation. So I will be bouncing out of the uh, Passion Translation and the New King James uh, versions. Uh, typically, you, you can see the verses on your screen, so you should be able to see uh, whichever uh, translation I'm coming, coming out from uh, within, within that time. But if you can't, I will, um, I'll let you know where it is that, that I'm coming from. So John chapter 2, verse uh, 24 through 25. Let's take a look at it. This, uh, let me give context. John chapter 2. Jesus' uh, is ministry is, is, is getting on the way, and uh, he, he is uh, separating himself from uh, any of the other uh, teachers of the law and religious scholars and those who would be hold in high esteem uh, in, in that time period as far as being regarded high in their knowledge of the scriptures and in their knowledge of the law. Jesus is separating himself from them because not only can he keep up with them in their dialogue, but there is a demonstrative type of power that he flows from to where he doesn't just talk about it, but then he turns around and does something. Most of the time, uh, up, un up until prior to Jesus, you just had a lot of people who could say a lot of nice things and had great oratory type skills and could sway people with uh, the vocabulary and their mix of vocabulary and what it was that they could say. But they walked in no real power and way with what it is that he says. But it actually speaks of him in the scriptures that when he would read the scriptures in the synagogue that people's, that people's hearts would be turned because they would ask the question, how does this man speak in the authority that he speaks of? So that's the context that we're in right now in the Bible uh, in like the two or three preceding verses from what it is that we are about to read says that Jesus is fame because of what it was that he was doing. The miracles that he was performing was causing his fame to swell. So his fame was swell, was swelling. He was getting popular. His name was becoming a household name. And whenever uh, uh, the talk of Jesus came within a city, most folk know, knew who it was that you were talking about when you mentioned the name Jesus. So, so his fame has uh, gotten high. His fame has started to swell. And now that's where we are in verse uh, 24. Verse 24 says, but Jesus did not yet entrust himself to them. So, so the people that his fame is starting to be swelled around and the people who are uh, being inundated or, be, or being impressed 
by his name and by the miracles that he was performing. Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew how, check it, he knew how fickle human hearts can be. That's the statement that I wanted to get. He knew how fickle human hearts can be. Verse 25, he didn't need anyone to tell him about human nature, for he fully understood what man was capable of doing. Now, let's rest right quick on verse 24. So he did not commit himself to them. He did not commit himself to men because he knew how fickle human hearts can be. The fickleness of a human heart. Let's talk about that. The word fickle, let's just talk about that. The word fickle means changing frequently. Especially as regard in regards to one's loyalties, interests, or affection. One's loyalties, interests, or, or, or affections. So Jesus is saying that I know how people operate. That, that ain't nothing that I'm swayed by, so I'm not swayed by the highs. I'm not swayed by the lows. I'm not swayed by the fact that these people are impressed with me and want to come up to me and want to talk to me right now. I know, what got them, I know what got them there. What got them there is they saw something that they liked. So because they saw something that they liked, now they like me. But he did not fully commit or fully give himself over to that particular kind of people because he knew the fickleness of their heart. Now, where did... Where does, this, where does this whole fickleness uh, dialogue fit into what it is that we've been talking about? Remember, we have been for the past few weeks laying the groundwork for the case of how the heart was never supposed to be something that stayed in the posture of being deceitful, wicked, and, and, and utterly destructive. Remember, Jeremiah 17 speaks of the heart and it says that the heart of a man is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? And and because of the effect of sin, that was the result that it placed upon the heart of man. But now in this time frame, on this side of the cross, and with the entrance of the kingdom of God into the earth by way of coming into mankind, my heart is not supposed to stay like that anymore. So with Jesus making this statement that he did not commit himself to men because of the fickleness of their heart, he is saying that he is saying basically that because of of the reality of Jeremiah 17 at that time that he said that statement, that's why he did not commit himself over to those men, over to those people, because he knew that their heart was deceptive toward them. And when you talk about fickleness of the heart, anytime I'm dealing with fickleness within my heart, what I'm actually dealing with whenever I dig it down to the core is I'm dealing with the fact that I am more interested in how I'm going to get something out of the situation more more so than somebody else. Mm -hmm. What I'm interested in is, is, is how I'm going to win. What's in it for me? I, I'm, I'm in it based on my own self-interest. And these people who were dealing with the fickleness of heart, which, didn't, which caused Jesus not to commit himself to them, was the fact that they were so impressed with what it was that he was doing that they were just trying to get close to him so that they could get a piece of the pie. More than likely, most of these folk either themselves were sick or had somebody in their family who was sick. So if I get close enough to Jesus and he's got this miracle thing going on and every time somebody sick comes around him, he's able to heal them. So if I get close enough to him, then I can go ahead and get mine too. I can go ahead and get my healing or get this healing for my family member. Or they were just impressed by the fact of the prestige that Jesus had around him because of all the activity that was swirling around him. So he was a person in visibility and he was a person of influence. So if I get close enough to him, that same thing could come on me. That is that fickleness of heart that he's talking about. So because of that place in their heart and that fickleness around them that's what caused them to say I can't, I can't fully commit myself over to you I can't commit myself over fully to you and I can't really invite you into the fullness of who I am because you're still stuck on you mm. come on here come on here how many of us are, are stalled in our life because we still stuck on us Stalled in progression because I'm still worried about how this is going to uh, get me out, how this is going to break me through. 
sum total of my focus and so sum total of the focal point of my heart. Remember, we talked about this too. Your heart is built to pursue that which you value as treasure. And what you value is what you give attention to. If I'm giving so much attention to me and mine and how this is going to break me through, then that means my heart is being filled with self-interest and the fickleness of my heart not being able to flow in where it is I've been called to flow, being back and forth and, 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 and building up that and undergirding that space for fickleness to stay alive within my heart. To stay alive within my heart. So, so the fickleness of the heart is the result that sin left behind. Remember, I'm going to keep driving this in because I believe it is a word from the Lord. Your heart is not designed to continue to be untrustworthy. It is supposed to be the compass by which God directs you in your life as he speaks and prompts your heart. So if Holy Ghost is speaking and prompting me in my heart, then, it, then I should not have fickleness in there. Or, or another word is capricious, ever-changing, back and forth. I'm in and I'm out. I'm in and I'm out. When the Holy Ghost is within me and leading and guiding me, that is supposed to be done away with. So fickleness only got there as a result of what sin left behind. The damage that sin left behind left me in a position to where my heart could be fickle and change all the time because for a heart to be fickle is only to be concerned with its own self-interest fickleness breeds a restlessness and discontentment and a lack of focus a fickle heart is restless it can't lean in and fully commit to what it is that God is to what it is that God is saying to what it is that God is doing to where it is God is moving be obedient to the promptings that it's receiving from the Lord and continue to flow in it without having to be inspired without having to be pumped up without having to be told you're doing a good job those things have their space and have their place but God is wanting to institute a heart in the within the life of a believer to where they're able to hear instructions and be able to move and continue to flow based off of what it is that they have heard from God and based off of what it is that he's spoken to them and if he doesn't say nothing else for years I can still flow off of what it is that he told me the first time because I know that my heart has been built in a space and a place to where the fickleness has been removed I'm not changing and back and forth all the time needing him to constantly remind me of what he's and needed him to constantly inspire me in what it is and what he said. I heard it the first time. I know what he said. I'm going to keep moving and keep flowing in what it is that he said to me until what it is that he said is going to come to pass is able to continue to come to flow out. That's why you've got to have your heart built up in a space and place to where it is strengthened to be able to hold out on what it is that God has spoken to you, ridding it of that fickleness. Ridding it of that fickleness because that fickleness is going to put me into a place to where I'm not able to receive and be able to push out kingdom vision. Because remember, our subtitle for this is Burdens Birth Kingdom Vision. And where I'm going with that is trying to lay the, lay the groundwork that first of all, all of this is going to take place within the heart. But a fickle heart cannot be a heart that properly receives something that is supposed to bring forth genuine kingdom vision. So I got fickleness going on within my heart because sin left that behind. Sin, sin just, left, just left collateral damage. It was, it was the most awful tragedy that's ever happened in human history. So it leaves behind just this chaos of collateral damage. And a part of that collateral damage is the fickleness of my heart. My heart won't trust. My heart won't lean into what it is that God is saying because it's so changing and so back and forth based off of my interests. What I'm saying with that is most of us have probably experienced this. You've had a genuine uh, experience with God, and in a moment you receive something from the Lord, and then you start to walk in that and walk in a posture of trust. Then a lot of time passes by to where what it is that you uh, heard from God as far as, far as what it was that was going to come to pass, because of all the time lapse that has happened, now your heart starts to backtrack and to reject with what it is that God spoke to you because you feel like, 
like it has lost its potency and lost its power based off of the time frame that you had set in your own heart and your own mind saying that surely by this time this would have come to pass and then when when that happens and I don't feel like my time frame has been honored I pull my heart away that's the fickleness my heart's in my heart's out my heart's in my heart's out that's a result of sin okay that is a result of sin and was never intended to be that way. So what's the remedy? Here comes the Lord by the, by the work of living a sinless life and being the spotless lamb who was going to take away the sin of the world. Now he, he goes to the cross, takes care of the penalty of sin, and now that the penalty of sin has come in, I mean, now that the payment for sin has come in and removed the penalty of sin, now in my life I'm able to have that great exchange. So now that great exchange is made, to where I get his righteousness, he takes my sin, and now that I have his righteousness, I no longer have to deal with the fickleness of heart because now I'm, I'm put in a position, and my heart is put in a position to where it can hear from the Holy Spirit, and it's in that space of where it is constantly having the understanding, constantly coming in that open posture. He's teaching my heart how to desire. He took my heart to school. My God, I'm hoping y'all are getting something from all of these messages and how they're tying together because now I'm put in a space to where now I'm ready for a real vision that I can give myself to that I can give myself to I can I can get I can get something I can receive something from the Lord receive vision receive something from God that comes straight from heaven being downloaded from heaven into the earth to bring solution to the plights and issues and problems and circumstances that plague us within our planet he gave us this planet to rule and to dominate and to subdue and have dominion over the heavens are the laws but the earth he has given to sons of men and put them in charge and making sure that the same way that the heavens are run in the same way that he operates his kingdom in heaven is the same template that I'm supposed to take and rule and dominate within my life within the earth and if it's not something that's in heaven I don't have to put up with it within the earth but I've got to make sure that the fickleness of my heart has been removed so that I can get a real assignment from God Woo! here we go here we go I'm just getting cracking though all right, so 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 the work of the cross, and 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 the 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 uh, the entrance into salvation that that made available to me, is the remedy for this. So I so I got the fickleness of my heart. So I got the fickleness of heart. That's the that's the issue at hand first. By by work of the cross, the work of the cross. Is that remedy. It being that remedy has now put me into a space to where I got a solution. To where I don't have to uh, constantly make excuses for my heart. I harp on this so heavy because a lot of us would, would like to hold on to the fact that my heart is not trustworthy. Because then that absolves me from responsibility to actually be productive with my life. Yeah, I said it. I ain't scared of nobody. I'm telling the truth. Tell the truth and shame the devil. We need to have an awakening within us to where there is a responsibility. There's a passion within us to be responsible with the days that we've been given. Not just to pay bills. Not just to take fancier vacations. Not just to upgrade your life to where you can afford something that you couldn't afford before. All that is fine and beautiful and I praise God for that. But you need to have some kind of assignment that you give your life to that is a display and representation of the kingdom of heaven within the earth because what we need is solutions to the earth's problems and the work of the savior on the cross made that available to us and we're going to talk about it a little bit more I know I'm hollering but I'm hollering because I'm happy alright so the remedy and, and, and now we're going to uh, John chapter 3 Ooh, this is going to get good this was good to me as I was studying it out John chapter 3, because there's some information here that we've got to get. Because, because if, if I'm within the remedy and within uh, the work of me gaining kingdom vision, I need two ingredients. I need water and I need the spirit. I need water and I need the spirit. So John chapter 3, starting uh, verse 1, verses 1 through 5. 
John chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I'm in the Passion Translation. Now, there was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus who was part of the sect called the Pharisees and a member of the Jewish ruling council. One night, he discreetly came to Jesus and said, Master, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. So you can't just do this because you want to. You're doing this because there's something that's really on you. God's power is with him. Verse 3, Jesus answered, here we go, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth okay so before a person can perceive before a person can see the kingdom they first have to experience a rebirth remember that verse 4 Nicodemus said rebirth how can a gray-headed man be reborn it's impossible for a man to go back into the womb a second time and be reborn verse 5 Jesus answered I speak an eternal truth unless you are born of water and spirit wind You will never enter God's kingdom realm. Give me a few moments to to work this. Verse 3, there's a footnote in the Passion uh, Bible that says that what what that is saying is be uh, born from the origin. So being born from the origin. The origin of who it is that you've been designed to be. Remember, you didn't start in the flesh. You didn't start in your body. You're encased in your body. You are a spirit. So being born of spirit, that's what it is that he's talking about. So Jesus is telling Nicodemus, look, you've got to be born of the origin. Born from the original once again. Have that, have that life uh, brought within you once again. And that's how you're going to be able to take advantage uh, of seeing the kingdom. So as a statement I want to jump in on. So perception of the kingdom comes by way of the new birth which is the spiritual birth of water and spirit. So, so I need to be born. I need to experience the birth of origin by way of water and the spirit. Water and the spirit coming together in partnership produce this birth for me that causes me to be able to see the kingdom. Water and spirit water and spirit now let's look at let's look at those two ingredients water water is a very very essential part of life refreshing life-giving factor that rests in water its makeup is planet and most of our bodies as far as our makeup is made up of water It's made up of water. And we see uh, this partnership throughout Scripture that is built with water and spirit. And whenever water and spirit are joined together within Scripture, it is an announcement of a new birth. And it is an announcement of a fresh vision that is able to be given and able to come forth. Jesus telling Nicodemus that you've got to be born again or experience a rebirth but not naturally you've got to have this one come by way of the water and the spirit of God now in this context of John 3 the water is representative of the word of God and the spirit of God so having that rebirth uh, uh, Paul talked about how the water of the word is able to wash over us and how husbands are supposed to wash over their wives with the water of the word and then that causes her to be ready to be represented back to God so the water and the spirit joining together in partnership causes a, 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 a an announcement of the coming of the kingdom and the perception of the kingdom so that's John chapter 3 now let's let's look at somewhere else where we see this partnership of the water and the spirit coming together Genesis chapter 1 I just want to bring this up in the beginning whew, God created the heavens and the earth Verse 2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of what? The waters. 
So here we are again. Here we are again. We've got this partnership with the face of the waters and the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. Now remember what I just said. Whenever the partnership of the water and the Spirit is joined together, it is an announcement of a coming birth. So in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters was an announcement of the grandiose of creation that was about to come forth. In John chapter 3, the the partnership of the water of the word and the spirit of God coming together within someone causing a rebirth in them causes them to perceive the kingdom of God and be able to see the announcement of the, of the coming of this kingdom. What does this have to do with burdens and birthing kingdom vision? Your kingdom vision, a genuine kingdom vision must have the partnership of the spirit of the living God within the life of the believer and water. Now, million dollar question, what water are you talking about, Pastor? I am talking about the water that is created by a burden that comes upon you and causes you to have the water flow of tears coming from your spirit. Tears. The salty water of tears being able to come forward from you. And this is where I want to jump in on this and make, and make my statement and make my claim. There are a lot of us who, who, who claim that we have kingdom vision, that we're headed toward kingdom vision, and we don't have one ounce of a genuine real burden from God that has produced tears in us concerning that thing. You, 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 don't, you, don't have, you don't have a sense of real burden and a sense of real forcefulness and passion that has been given to you by way of the Spirit of God. You're just chasing after something because you're bored. You're just chasing after something because you think that'd be cool to do. You're just chasing after something because you don't want to work your job anymore. And I'm saying to us that you're going to constantly run into frustration and thereby keep the fickleness of your heart alive because you have not been given a a genuine burden from God that produces tears in your quiet time and tears before the presence of the Lord concerning this assignment because you've got to have the water of the tears that comes from a burden from God and the spirit of God's guidance to be able to birth forth a real genuine kingdom vision in your life and it's burdens that birth that burdens birth kingdom vision Hence why we, we need more people that are in the earth who have available hearts for God to release a real burden on them. We talk all the time about God releasing blessing and God releasing favor and God releasing breakthrough. But God also releases burdens. God also releases burdens within our hearts to where we are, we are inconvenienced in a way. And we are put in such birth pangs because of an issue or because of a situation that God has really given us a heart for. And when you have that and it produces a genuine sense of travail within you and it, and it ups your game in your prayer life that attached with the guidance of the Holy Ghost will bring something forth in your life. This is why you got a responsibility within this thing. This is not just about coming to church. Keeping your church attendance good. Not cussing out your wife and not cussing out your kids. All of that is elementary principles. We've got to raise up. There are burdens that God wants to release to the people within the earth so that he can bring forth solutions and we don't have to deal with certain problems anymore. God, I feel this thing. Of a new birth. Announce of kingdom visions. So the remedy for the fickleness of heart is the burden of the Lord placed upon a heart. But the burden can only be entrusted to available hearts. And a heart that's fickle, fickle is not available. It's too busy changing and shifting on what it is that it wants to uh, commit itself to. 
And while so many of us, this is just from my notes, this is just me talking. Uh, and while so many of us are getting in the grind mode and developing and working on what we claim the Lord has given to us, we must first vet and make sure that we are burdened for what it is that we are going after. Otherwise, the changing winds in life will move us on to the next thing and we'll have one more thing on our list that has yet to be completed because what we called a burden or thought was something that we're going after just honestly was something that piqued our interest at the time. We need more hearts receiving burdens from heaven rather than chasing ideas and aspirations that only touch the surface level plights of humanity. And there's a verse that I found with that. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. The heart, the heart that is loyal to him is the heart that he wants to be able to go after and be able to have a, a burden released to you. Because I'm going to tell you something. When one is burdened for you cannot be talked out of it so easily. When you're burdened for you cannot be talked out of it. And you cannot be swayed so easily just because opposition comes. And just because storms come. And, I, and there, there is such potential within the heart of a believer. There's such potential within Strong City Church. There's such potential within all of those who claim the salvation of the Lord. For your heart to be burdened. Genuinely burdened by the Lord. Concerning an assignment and concerning what it is that you've been called to do. So that you can raise up and receive true solutions from God and receive true solutions from the Holy Spirit that calls you to move in a way that has never been seen within the earth before and I am prophetically declaring right now in Jesus name that you would be burdened within your hearts so that you can have genuine vision come forth and it's not just something that's a good idea Gone is the day of just good ideas. We need genuine burdens being released so that it's something that we know that is really heaven sent and will bring the real transformation that we need to see within the earth. Now we're going to go into a few examples. Uh, so let's go ahead and roll to Nehemiah chapter 1. I got a few other examples uh, that I didn't tell you to turn to, but we're just going to look at the, their lives. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah's life paints, paints a beautiful picture. Of, of this being seen. Paints a great picture of this being seen. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 3. Let's go. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of uh, Chislev in the 12th year as I was in Shushan, the citadel, the Hanani. One of my brethren came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the capacity, the captivity, excuse me, who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. So he's asking, he's asking his, uh, his brethren uh, about, about the Jews who had, uh, who had escaped the captivity as far as escape um, um, being, being taken into captivity by, uh, by Babylon. So they, uh, they survived it, and now they have actually made their way back uh, to, to Jerusalem. So though, those people that were able to make it back, he's just asking how it is that they're doing. Uh, verse 3, and they said to me, this is the report that Nehemiah got back from them. The survivors who were left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So basically he did not get a good report. Uh, uh, Nehemiah, they're not doing well. Uh, th things aren't going that well. Walls of Jerusalem broken down. Gates are on fire. It's just not a good scene. This is what happened as a result of him hearing that. Verse 4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Before the God of heaven. A few things I want to bring up right quick. Number one, I want to bring up a, a notation called just divine disturbance or divine discontent. Nehemiah, in verse, verses 1 through 2, he, Nehemiah is uh, the cupbearer for the king at this time. 
King Artaxerxes, I think that's how you say his name. He's his cupbearer. So he, he is in a high position. He's in a high position. He's in a successful position, and he is doing his job. He gets his, he gets, uh, his brethren around him, and he asks the question of them of how his fellow Jewish brothers are doing in Jerusalem, those who have made it back. He gets that report that they are not doing that well, and as a result of that report, there is a, there is a, a burden, if you will, that is placed upon him that causes him based off of what it was that he heard. Now, mind you, most of y'all should know the story as far as Nehemiah being the one who asked the king, can he go and uh, uh, conduct a project that will rebuild uh, the walls of Jerusalem because he can't stand the fact that they have been torn down. So so he's got, he's got this assignment uh, that eventually comes on his life, but where we have come in is that he has... Uh, uh, gotten this divine disturbance from from uh, the news that he got, and he was not going after a vision. That's what I'm getting at. Basically, his life was moving as it always moved, as it always had moved. He was going throughout the normalcy of his days. He was doing his cupbearer thing. He was holding down his job and his position of being a cupbearer and wanting to do that in excellence. And then in comes this divine disturbance based off of this bad news that he got. And it led him into a space to where Tears began to flow from him based off of what it was that he heard. So based off of what it was that he heard, there's this tearful response that he is giving. So Nehemiah is going along in his normal, and then all of a sudden his comfort zone is disturbed with the news of the Jews. So Nehemiah in verse 4, and that's, that's where we're really camping uh, down with this. Nehemiah is impressed in his heart, and rather than starting with the externals as far as moving forward and I've got to do something about this, he takes it before God first. He takes it before God first. And he weeps and he prays. He weeps and he prays. So instead of going in, going into writing his plan as a how I'm going to talk to the king, talking, uh, gathering together a group of people to say how are we going to fix this problem, he is first burdened by God, which puts his heart in a space and puts his heart in a position to where God could begin to speak to him and give him what it was that he needed to be able to eventually become the Nehemiah that we know about and read about. But he had First, the partnership of the water that flowed from him in his tears and the guidance of the Spirit of God that would put together the vision of him rebuilding the temple. What does this have to do with us? You have got to make sure. That whatever it is that you are calling your kingdom vision, whatever it is that you are going out there within your life, whatever it is that you feel God has called you to do, do you have a real burden about this? Do I, do I have a real burden about what it is that's, that's going on there? Because we, we don't want to move so fast into the relationship building and into the phone calls and into the up in the social media game and into writing the business plans and into telling all these people about the vision and getting the business cards. That's where so many of us go first. That's what so many of us do. That's the first thing that we do. And we haven't even gotten a real burden from God and pause long enough to even know if that something that is really genuinely a call that's on my life it does does the does the problem surrounding what it is that I'm going after is there a real problem there that I care about is there a real problem there that I've been genuinely burdened about is there a real problem there that a burden has been created in me by God to where there's something that moves me whenever I'm in that situation or around those people or around that environment is there a movement that is happening within me to where I am saying that I know that I've been called to this and I know that this is something that God has called me to do or am I just doing this because it's a good idea this message is very practical very practical and Nehemiah and the partnership with the tears created in his fasting and weeping accompanied with the spirit of God's guidance is what gives him 
gives him the tremendous vision of rebuilding the temple's broken walls. And it gave him access to all the resources that he will ever need. Because anyone who is getting a genuine God-sent vision, you are going to always be filled with, with, with access to the resources and access to ideas that you will need to be able to see this vision come forth within your life. It's not something that you're going to have to chase and go after. That's why I first got to make sure that it is genuinely actually a real burden within my heart. And the next example I want to go into is in the life of Peter, the apostle Peter. So the apostle Peter, we, you can actually see if you study out the life of Peter, you're going to see uh, uh, the fickleness in his heart. You, you'll see it alive. So we see, so we see him, uh, uh, let, me, let, me, let me get back to my notes so I can see what it is that, that, that I want to say. So the fickleness seen in Peter from, I'll never leave you, Lord. Remember when he said that? I'll never leave you. Every, everyone else might leave you, but I, I'll never leave you. And you can't. And then when Jesus, that time that Jesus said uh, the fact of he was going to go to the cross for, for everybody's sin, he was going to go to the cross and be killed on the third day, he's going to be raised. And Peter pulls him to the side and says that this cannot happen to you. I know that that's what you're saying, but I'm, I'm telling you right now that that can't happen to you. And, and uh, Jesus actually called him a devil. Get behind me, Satan, for you have the things of man in mind and not the things of God. So we see this fickleness that's happening with Peter so he goes from all these different things and always putting his foot in his mouth and even to where uh, prior to Jesus being arrested and taken uh, before before Pilate and everybody before he went to the cross we see Peter pull out a sword and cut somebody's ear off so we've got all this devotion right there we've got this loyalty that is put toward Jesus but then when the heat of the mind him with Jesus and saying aren't you one of him and people start looking at Peter and identifying him with Jesus and saying, aren't you one of his disciples? What did Peter say? I don't know him. I don't know him. So we, we go from absolute loyalty, I'm never going to go nowhere, I'm never leaving you to I don't know him. The fickleness of heart. But what was the remedy for that? God, what was the remedy for that? The remedy for that was the burden that was placed on him by the revelation of him being the Christ. Who do you say that I am? You, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When Peter received the burden of the revelation of Jesus being the Christ, the rock of that revelation, because that's the same thing where he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against it. So when Peter receives the revelation of, of, of him being the Christ, that becomes the burden that drove the fickleness out of the heart of Peter. And you can see after he is restored from denying Jesus three times, he now is elevated into the position, he's elevated into the humble, humble position of being an apostle of the early church and he preaches an inaugural sermon of the early church that causes 3,000 people to become saved as a result of what it was that he was saying. Now, how did this vision come forward in him and become alive of him being a foundational pillar for the, for the early church and even for us today with the books that he penned and left behind. What was it that went between the fickleness of heart and him being the apostle that was crucified upside down because he said he was unworthy to, to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was? What was it that was in between those? I suggest and submit to us that it was a genuine burden that was sent to him and a real burden that he got from God that birthed forth a real assignment that didn't have nothing to do necessarily with his interests or have something to do with what he wanted to do but he received a real burden and his heart began to be molded around that burden to where it was something that so consumed him that God could trust him with the solutions that would be able to come from heaven are we a people that are willing to posture ourselves in a real way that gives us a space and gives us a openness in our heart for God to place something from heaven within us that bursts forth a real assignment and bursts forth a real vision that is going to bring kingdom results into the earth. Into the earth. It's simple but it's heavy. It's simple but it's heavy. 
And I need us not to surround this in the context of preaching and church things. Don't do that. The kingdom affects every sector of life. That's why, you, that's why you need to go before the Lord and get a real burden about where it is that you have been assigned and where it is that you have been called to be because that genuine burden coming within you that produces a real tear in your eye and produces a real uh, a quick uh, quivering of your heart when you think about that thing, that is a sign that you are able to be trusted with real solutions within that area of society and within that area that you have been called to within the political arena, the governmental sector, the medical sector, the entertainment sector, the athletic sector, the, the educational sector, the church sector, wherever it is that you might be called to be. There is an assignment that has been placed upon your life, but we need you first to make sure that you've got a genuine burden because a genuine burden is the only legal way for a real kingdom vision to come forth out of you. Gosh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jerusalem, how I weep over you. How I would gather you as a hen would gather her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. That's Jesus in Matthew 23. He's looking out over Jerusalem, and there are certain, uh, certain uh, Bible, Bible translations that speak of that portion of Scripture saying that Jesus laments over Jerusalem. Jesus lamenting. That's another word for cry. Jesus crying. Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. I bring that up because we even see this, this uh, formula alive within the life of the Lord. We know he had the guidance of the Spirit. because He's fully God and fully man. So the guidance of the Spirit... Plus the, the burden of his heart concerning Jerusalem brought an announcement of what it was that he was bringing forth. And he was able to be trusted with the assignment of being the Lamb of God that would take the sin of the world away. You need the water. You need the water of your tears. You need the water created by burden. You need the water being alive within you, coming from the burden that is placed in your heart from God, attached with the Spirit of God's guidance over you concerning that assignment, concerning that thing in order for it to bring forth genuine kingdom vision meaning that if you do not have that more than likely you are not called to that we do not have time for trial and error concerning this that's why we got to slow ourselves down long enough to actually get to know ourselves and long enough to be still before you tell you where you you who you are so he can tell you where he called you, tell you where you've been gifted, tell you what it is that he has uh, birthed you into the earth to do because you cannot be born into the earth on accident. You don't get here by accident. You get here by declaration. You get here because God had a predetermined purpose and a predetermined matching assignment for your life. So if anything right now, I want to take this moment to encourage someone that might feel like you don't have purpose and you don't have reason and you don't have a reason for being here. The fact that you woke up this morning and the fact that you continue to be able to live within the earth shows that there is a massive assignment that is on your life and there's a burden that you are supposed to carry because there is a matching assignment to that burden and we need you to be able to attach both of them so that there's something of real kingdom value that can come forth and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ and we will see the increase of that government and peace come to no end. Come to no end. You have been born for such a time as this. You've been born for such a time as this. But we need you to make sure that before you write the book, before you write the song, before you make the phone call, before you uh, uh, start the LLC, before you start the nonprofit, and all these things that we're coached and swayed to do by society, they have their place. But as a believer, my first posture 
is a burden. A burden, not a business card. A burden. Not a Zoom watch party to discuss my idea. A burden. When's the last time you were burdened? When when's the when last time that God was able to get you to be still long enough to really burden your heart concerning an issue? I don't want to be so calloused that I could be around issue after issue and have not one burden. Because if God can't burden me, that means he can't communicate to my heart. If he can't communicate to my heart, then how am I going to bring forth the kingdom? How am I going to hear from heaven? Because we already established the truth that if he's going to talk to me, he's going to talk to me in my heart. But if I can't be burdened, that might be a sign that I'm calloused. And I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting to the end here. Give me just a few moments because the way we're going to end this is we're going we're gonna to cry out to God in the form of de- declaration and intercession for him to release the burdens of heaven. Releasing the burdens of heaven upon hearts that are available. When God is looking to birth something of true kingdom value, that which can't be burned away when tried by the fire, he will burden someone which brings a sense of weight upon them concerning the matter and their prayers and their internal energy and life all bend in the direction of the burden. They need not look for ideas because they will become secondary due to their heart being positioned before the Lord like this. And I'm, and I'm wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. I can never gain clarity about what I have no ability to weep over and be burdened under. Burdens must predate building. I heard that this week. Burdens must predate building. If you can't cry about it, you probably not called to it. There is an assignment that has been given over to you, over to your life. It's why you have a life. And the narcissism that is so alive and prevalent within the church to where the fickleness of my heart leads and sways me into believing that this thing is actually about me getting all I want from God. Listen, that what you think you want right now, if your heart was correctly positioned by by the Lord, you might not even taste and desire for that anymore. Hence my, hence my heart being moved in a way to where I start to desire what it is I'm supposed to desire. That I really start to use the skill of my heart known as desire in the correct way and in the correct form. Know what that is? That's me losing my right and, or losing my life. And the Lord told us in Scripture that if you try and hold on to your life, you're going to end up losing it. But if you will lose your life for the sake of the gospel, if you will abandon yourself to the cause of God and abandon yourself to obeying what he says in his word, he says you're going to find something. You're going to find what it was that you were looking for all along. Sense of fulfillment. Sense of purpose. The sense of destiny and knowing exactly why you have been called into the earth. But that starts by being incubated in the place of the burden. In the place of the burden. In the place of the burden. Are you burdened? Are you just bored looking for a good idea? You're just tired of being on your job. Are you genuinely burdened over issues? Are you genuinely burdened? There are problems. There's a burden that's created in you for the homeless. There's a burden created in you for abused children. There's a burden created in you for wayward marriages. Burden created in you for dysfunctional families. Burden created over you the prison industrial complex. The economic wealth gap, economic disparity, poverty, technology, business, women, men, whatever it is it might be, there first must be a burden 
so that you are qualified to receive genuine solution from the kingdom. Genuine solution from the kingdom of heaven. Genuine solution from the king himself. That starts to put together not just good ideas, but God ideas. And put it together something that will create, sustain success. And give the announcement that the kingdom of God has arrived. There's a burden that you've been called to. There's a burden that you've been called to. I said there's a burden that you've been called to. Because burdens birth real kingdom vision. Not just because I'm a risk taker and I want to do it. I need a burden. And so God, right now in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord, with open hearts. We come before you with open hearts. We are asking right now for our hearts to be divinely burdened divinely burdened with the assignment that you've called us to divinely burdened with the assignment that matches our gift set and why you gave it to us if we've got a gift set and we've got a good and perfect gift we know that it came from above so that which you've given to us that came from above and came from you we are asking right now God for our hearts to be open and for us to be divinely burdened for that assignment burden us for the assignment burden us for the vision right now God I cry out on behalf of Strong City Church and all of our people that are out watching this broadcast, God, burden us for the vision that you've given Strong City Church. Burden us for the assignment that is on this group of people. Burden us for this community of Darlington, South Carolina. Burden us for the PD. Burden us for Florence. Burden us for Hartsville. Burden us for Lamar. Burden us for the surrounding region, God. Burden us for what it is that you've called us to and those and the individual assignments that you've given to us that fit into the corporate fashion. I am asking right now, God, for divine burden to come over our life in the name of Jesus. Gone is the day of wanting just a good idea. Gone is the day of just trying to do something to get out of debt. Gone is the day of just doing something because I'm bored. Gone is the day of doing something because I'm tired of being broke. I am praying right now, God, for that fickleness of heart to be struck by the power of God and for us to arise with genuine burdens. If we don't have a burden, God, we don't want to be involved. Release the burdens of heaven. Release the burdens that inconvenience us. Release the burdens that bring us to tears. Release the burdens that, that produce the, the childlike birth pangs within us when we feel like we must do something about the assignment on our life. We must do something about this situation. We must do something about this circumstance. We can't stand to be around this issue and not be doing something about it. Burden us. Not just looking at you to pay bills. Not just looking at you to bring me through. Not just looking at you for you to do something with my life. Give us a burden. I repent of my selfishness. I repent of my self-centeredness. I repent of my selfish ambition. I repent of my why you not doing nothing in my life and doing nothing for me. I repent of that and lay it before you that my heart may be able to be in its position to receive. A burden from the Lord. A real burden that lays within my heart. That wakes me up early in the morning. That keeps me up late at night. That keeps me before your face. That keeps me humble. Because I know what it is. That I have been summoned. I have been called to. This is why we've spent so much time. Talking about the internal world and the internal workings and inner workings of our heart. Because my heart needs to be fit to be able to be trusted with the burden. Because once I receive the burden and the mixture of the water of my tears and the guidance of the Spirit of God announces the birth of a kingdom vision. Don't let us just tout the words kingdom vision like a style issue. Kingdom is not a style. 
It's a mandate to which we have been called. It's not a slogan. It's a mandate that is over our life. And I am praying right now, God, on behalf of everyone that's on this broadcast and everyone under the sound of my voice, that we would be, and you might say, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what I've been called to. I don't know what I've been burdened about. You can start right here asking God what is on his heart. Lord, what's on your heart? Lord, Lord, what are you concerned with? Lord, what, what is it that's stirring in your heart and stirring in your spirit and stirring inside of you that you can share with me, that you can give over to me, that you can entrust me with? If God can find somebody whose heart is available, there is something of kingdom proportion and something cosmic that can be birthed and released into the earth and we can see a swaying of an entire culture, a swaying of a city, a swaying of a family, a swaying of a man's heart. All of that is hinged upon him being able to find an available heart that can receive a burden. May you be burdened today. I'm asking for you to be divinely disturbed today divinely disturbed this week divinely disturbed that the divine disturbance of the Holy Ghost would move you into a posture to where you're now fit to receive something that's going to birth forth his kingdom something that's going to birth forth his goodness in the name of Jesus hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord Right there, just lift your hands. Right there, just lift your hands. Receive of his goodness. And we receive of your burdens also. Thank you so much for being with us on this broadcast. Thank you so much for logging in. Share this with someone. I believe that this is a real message that is of the Lord and from the Lord. So share it with someone. Share it on your feet. But God bless you. Happy Mother's Day once again. And we will see you next week live and in person right here at Strong City Church for our drive-in service. God bless you. See you next week.